0: Charles Barkley was a professional basketball player. He played college ball at Auburn, and he went on to the NBA. And uh, he has a very distinct voice. And I know many of you are probably thinking, well, that's a strange way to start a sermon. Charles Barkley. Yeah, I know. Uh, Very distinct voice. That's terrible. That's terrible. Anyway, uh, he said one time, and I... I, I remember this because it stuck out in my mind because I thought, "Okay, I get what you're saying, but this is really not right." He made a statement in an interview, and he said this sentence: "I am not a role model." To which I would say, "You don't get to make that choice. You are a professional athlete. You are in the public eye a lot." You're on television playing a sport, and people look at you, and especially younger men, uh, young men in school that are also playing uh, sports and trying to be the best they can be. They look at professional athletes, and you're a role model. You don't get to opt out and say, "Well, no, I don't, I don't, I don't." Ha- I don't any responsibility here I, I don't want people to watch how I act and try to act the way I do that's not my problem if someone tries to be like me well there's certain responsibilities that come with certain gifts and if you've been given the gift of athletic talent and then been given the privilege to display that talent before the world on television you don't get to decide that you're not going to be a role model because you are one. The definition of a role model is someone after which others pattern their actions and words and lives. So they're going to do that whether or not you want them to. They're still going to do it. So you are a role model. And so here's the thought that came to my mind. I'm studying this text. I'm thinking, here we are on Mother's Day. Uh, We're looking at Amos chapter 3. How in the world does all this tie together? Well, it's like this. A mother is a role model. You don't get to choose not to be a role model. You know how I know that's true? Because our children learn from us even when we don't want them to. Our children observe our behavior They listen to what we say and how we say it. They watch how we treat people. They observe our relationships. They see things and learn things whether or not we want them to learn those things, good or bad. Tell me I'm wrong. When has your child said something or done something that's exactly the way you say it or the way you do it? And you're thinking, where in the world did they learn that? And then you're, oh... I did that, or I said that, or that sounds just like me. Let a preschooler, let let a two- or three-year-old who can barely speak use foul language at a preschool class, and then you'll know how much your children observe and absorb without you meaning for it to happen. You're a role model. A mother is a role model. In the same way, spiritually speaking, God's people, you see where I'm going here? God's people are role models. You don't get to choose if you choose the label Christian. Let's say everyone here in this room today, even that sweet little child that is screaming bloody murder... Every person here, let's just say, for the sake of this illustration, I'm going to claim the title Christian. Well, guess what? If you're going to claim the title and the benefits, then you're going to have to accept the responsibilities. You don't get to... Present yourself as a Christian. You don't get to come to church and put on a face and put on some decent clothes and act like you're some kind of way and then go out in the world and then decide you're not going to be that way from Monday to Saturday. But while you're here, you're going to be a Christian. You're a role model. As soon as you present yourself to be something, you better be able to back up what you say you are. Does that make sense? You see what I'm saying? A mother is a role model. Some professional athletes that don't want people to, to follow their way of living, it, it's, it, it's not their choice. People are going to follow them. If you're a mom or a dad, I know this is Mother's Day, but if you're a parent, you're a role model. Don't fool yourself into thinking you're not. And there there are repercussions. There are consequences when we don't fulfill that responsibility. Our kids will say things we don't want them to say. You know why? How many times have I heard it? Well, Daddy, you said it. Daddy, you did that. Why can't I? Well, and, and then what do you say? Do as I say, not as I do. Uh, that's No, that's not hypocritical at all. You see what I'm saying? That that cliche that says actions speak louder than words, there's a reason why that's well known, because it's true. God's people in this particular situation, this portion of God's word, God's people are demonstrating for us that just because you are God's people, the nation of Israel, God's chosen people... That doesn't give you special privilege, and it also doesn't mean you can just get away with doing whatever you want to do. You know, we see that in our culture. Sometimes the rich and the famous and the politically powerful think they can just do whatever they want to do, and there's no consequence. Well, I don't have to observe that law because don't you know who I am, or don't you know what my bank account says, or don't you know what team I play for? You just let me go. You know, I know I was DUI, but uh, I play for this team, so you just let me go. Oh, I, I know I was, you know, beating on my girlfriend, but I play for this team, so let me go. I get special privilege. No. that That's not how it works. That's how people might want it to work. It's not how it works. So we're going to look through the, the third chapter of Amos this morning, and rather than read the whole thing and get lost in the prophecy, I'm going to... Just go through each point and read the couple of verses that, that relate to each point of this message today. It's only three points, and I'll tell you what they are up front, and then we'll work through it. Number one is consider your salvation, consider your salvation. Number two, heed God's warnings, heed God's warning. And finally, not so much of a command, just a statement, sometimes we have to learn the hard way. Number one, consider God's salvation that he's given you. Number two, heed God's warnings that he gives you. And number three, sometimes we have to learn the hard way. The way this scripture begins, it's actually a, this prophecy is like a series of sermons. And chapter three starts a new one. So in the first two verses, you see this plea from god to consider your salvation consider the fact that god saved you from who you were where you were what you were he has if he has saved you if he's your god you're his child that means he's done a work in your heart and your life look at the first two verses of our text today from amos chapter three he starts off hear this word which the lord has spoken against you sons of israel against the entire nation which he brought up from the land of Egypt. So right off the bat, you see, hey, everybody listen up. God's got something to say to you, and here's who he's talking to. Everybody he rescued. It's a reminder, hey, don't you remember I did something for you? Don't you remember you all were slaves in Egypt, and I brought you out of all that? Or, Or have you forgotten all that deliverance that I provided for you? So identify the audience. God says, hey, listen up. i got something to say to you. Look at verse 2. You only, you only have I known among all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will visit you for all your iniquities. In other words, God's saying, you're my people. I set you apart for my purposes. I called you to myself. Israel, you're my people. I chose you. And so, since you're my people... That carries some responsibility. You're my people. That means, what does that mean? You you represent me. You know what my dad used to tell me when I was when I would go out as a kid? He'd say, Son, I don't have but one name. Don't mess it up. You you have my name. I have my daddy's name. You've got my name. Don't ruin it. Don't disgrace my name. God says, you're my people. You belong to me. You represent me. Don't mess that up. Don't make me look like something I'm not. Don't go out and act a certain way and then say, oh, I'm Christian. And then, oh, really? Well, because Christ doesn't act that way. And and Christ doesn't talk that way. Christ doesn't live that way. Christ doesn't uh, treat people that way. So are you sure? Because the word Christian means little Christ, which means a representative of Jesus Christ. So are you sure? Because you're not using that word the way I understand it. Does that make sense? If we claim the name, we better live the life. We represent someone. So God says, consider your own salvation. And don't think for a minute that God saw something good in us and something special in us and said, you know what, I could really use that person on my team because they're pretty awesome. I think I'm going to get a hold of them. No, no, not really. God didn't look down from heaven to find a man who had a little bit of faith, a little bit of understanding, and say, hey, good, there's somebody with some faith. I, I think I'm going to take that little spark of fire, I'm going to blow on it a little bit and let that thing flame up. And if things go well, I bet I could build a nation from Abraham because he's a pretty good guy. No. No. It was entirely the other way. God used Abraham because God is good, not because Abraham was good. God saved you. God saved me, not because I deserved it, but because Jesus is good. I, I didn't deserve my salvation. I deserved death and hell. and Jesus snatched me out of the fire. Praise the Lord. See, verse 2 tells us, you only have I known, have I chosen among all the families of the earth. This is a a higher level of accountability. Folks, if if Jesus has saved you, that's not a get out of hell free card. It's It's a call to die to yourself and live for Jesus. Put away your own agenda Find out what Jesus wants you to do right here in this word, and then go do that. Do what Jesus says. That's, that's what salvation is all about. It's not, oh, good, I'm saved, I'm free, now I can do whatever I want. No, I'm saved, that means I do whatever Jesus wants. So number one, consider your salvation. Number two, heed God's warning. In verse 3, the prophet is led by the Spirit to go through all these questions and they're comparisons, so I won't go through all of them, but you see the way it progresses from verse 3 all the way down to verse 8. He's asking questions. Do two men walk together unless they made an appointment? Does a lion roar when he has no prey? All these questions over and over and over and over to basically say, no, those things don't happen without a reason. See, that's, that's really the bottom line. Nine questions of cause and effect, and then one statement in verse 7. It's, it's a progression from... From the lesser to the greater. So the, the point here, though, is in verse 6. A warning is never given unless a disaster is on the way. What happens when the uh, tornado siren blows? What does that mean? What's coming? A tornado, the best they can tell. When they, When it gets to the point that somebody sounds the siren for a tornado, it means hey, take cover, a tornado's coming. Okay, they've seen one, a radar's indicator, or something, something has progressed to the point that they felt it necessary to warn somebody. Okay, so a warning doesn't happen unless something is about to happen. Okay, that's the message of verse 6. If a trumpet is blown in a city, Will not the people tremble? Well, the trumpet back then was a sound. Hey, we're either about to get attacked or something's about to happen. Everybody, take note, be ready, get prepared. Okay, that's what that warning is. So the emphasis here from Amos is on the warning itself. The God of grace doesn't send a disaster without sending a warning first. This is the point of preaching. Why do you think preachers preach? I mean, really. Just think about it for a minute. Warning. You know what I wanted to be when I grew up? Take a, Anybody want to take a guess? What I want to do when I grew up? A weatherman. Well, I never heard that before. That's something. No. I wanted to be a cop. I, I wanted to be police. That's all I wanted to do. I just thought that was the coolest job ever. And it seems like in, in society now... That is becoming less and less of a goal for many just because of our culture. But I thought that was the coolest job ever. That's what I wanted to do. When I was uh, a senior at Clemson, my dad had a friend at the time who was, uh, they're still friends, but at the time this, this friend of his uh, was way high up in, uh, in SLED over in Columbia, State Law Enforcement Division. He got me a tour and a little interview, and I went over there to talk to the guy, and he showed me all around and said, well, you know, you're about to graduate college, you know, that gives you a little leg up, you know. Uh, you don't have law enforcement experience yet, but uh, give, having a four-year degree, that's going to help you. You know, you can come right in, and we send you to the academy and get you trained, and he gave me an application. I filled it out. I graduated from Clemson. And uh, you know what I found in, a, in the bottom of a box when we... Last time we moved, five years ago, I found a completed SLED application for employment. I still had it, but I never turned it in. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why I didn't do that. You know why? Now I know. Because that's not what I was supposed to do. That's what I wanted to do. So here's the question again. Why do preachers preach? It's because God told them to. God redirected people and put them in a path that they didn't plan on taking and said, Here, preach my word. Warn the people. I didn't want to be a preacher, it was never my plan. In fact, I was out of school nine years before I even went back to seminary because. I was not planning to be a preacher. But you know what? It wasn't up to me. I could be disobedient, but it wasn't up to me because God said, you need to go and take this word and preach it, and so people will be warned, so then they won't just be surprised when judgment comes. Or maybe they'll actually listen to the warning and do what I tell them to do, and then maybe then judgment won't come. But preachers preach because people need a warning of the disaster that's headed their way. How many people out here in town are just, they're clueless? They don't know nothing about Jesus. They don't go to church. They don't read the Bible. They don't care. They live their lives as if nothing is wrong, nothing's going to happen. They don't know what's coming. It's like the boy riding his bicycle down the street with the headphones on and they don't see the, the semi coming because they're in their little zone. No worries in the world. Something's about to happen. God is not blind and deaf. He's not just completely oblivious to the way we live, the way we act the way we treat people where we go what we do god sees everything you want to you want to read a verse of scripture two verses of scripture that'll that ought to make you shake in your boots a little bit hebrews four thirteen says nothing in all creation is hidden hidden from his sight but everything is naked and laid bare before the eyes of of him with whom we have to do or to whom we must give an account and how about Hebrews 10, verse 31? It says, it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Without Jesus? Without Jesus, it's a terrifying thing to stand before God if you don't have Jesus. Heed God's warning. There are so many of them. We could, we could sit here all day and go about all the warnings that God gives but he doesn't send a disaster unless he has sent a warning. So in general, how how do we interpret that? Uh, let's look at our nation, where we live. How are we doing as a nation? How's, how's the United States of America doing as far as following God? Not too good. Got some work to do, don't we? You know, when... When it remains legal for 40 some years to, to kill babies. And, and everybody's all right with that. Some states are trying to even double down and, and make it even more, more available later on in term. And, and you know, all the, that's just one example. That's an easy example. Everybody sees that in the news. That's an easy example. How about relationships? How about marriage? How are we doing with that? Straight off the path, haven't we? A little bit from God's plan. Not a little bit, a lot from God's plan. So America needs to heed God's warning because I'm going to tell you what's the truth. Our nation has been around for 240 some odd years, but there's nothing guaranteed that's going to last forever. Let's, let's drill down a little bit, make it a little bit more personal. What warnings do you have in your own life? How are you doing with following Jesus? How am I doing? Okay, I'll answer. Not too good. Not too good. If we're going to be honest, I mean, how honest do we want to be about life? How honest do we want to be about spiritual things that really matter for all eternity? Do we want to just play a game, keep up the little charade, and and think everything's okay? How many of you would look around uh, this room even? Not even in downtown or, or the high school or wherever. just look around this room and, and look at yourself in the mirror. How many of you would say, "You know what? People are basically good. That's a lie from hell. There is no one righteous, not one. There is none who seeks after God. There is none who does good." Romans chapter three, verse 10. Keep reading. Verse 23. All have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. None of us is good. But how are we going to, are we just going to keep plodding, plodding along, just everything's okay? Let me ignore eternity. Let me ignore judgment. Sin, you know, nobody wants to hear a preacher talk about sin and judgment and hell. Let's, well, just can't you make me feel good about myself? Well, yeah. I can lie to you as good as anybody else. Is that what you want? Is that, is, that what, is that what I need to do? Is that what a preacher needs to do? Let me just make you feel better. Let me let you go to hell with a smile on your face. How would that be? Or would you rather me just be brutally honest and say, you know what? If we don't follow Jesus... If, what does the Bible say? If you love me, you will, what? Keep my commandments. What does Jesus say about the world, about the, how, we'll, how the world will know if we belong to him or not? By this, the world will know you're my disciples. By what? Your love for one another. So we don't follow his commandments. We don't love one another. How are we going to say we belong to Jesus? Oh, I'm a Christian, but I, I, don't, like, I don't like that person. Well, you ain't got to be best friends with everybody. But we're supposed to love one another. You ain't got to go out to eat with everybody. You, you ain't got to be friends. But there's a big, big chasm between being best friends and loving somebody enough to pray for them so they don't go to hell. I don't want my worst enemy to go to hell. Are y'all tracking with what I'm saying? Do you understand what the Scripture's telling us? Think about your salvation. Did you deserve it? So, so just, just remember, you can't even get past the first two verses. If you say to yourself, when, when God says, hey, listen up, thus says the Lord, pay attention, this whole nation I've redeemed. and he says, you only have I chosen for all the nations on the earth, you, you alone. Do you think they deserve it? Do you think we deserve it? Every, Every time we are tempted to look at someone else in a negative way and not with the love of Jesus, then you know what we've done at that moment? We've completely forgotten how sinful we are and the fact that I didn't deserve salvation either. We've completely forgotten about grace and mercy and the fact that Jesus Christ died for me when I did not deserve any bit of it. So for me to then turn around after Jesus has saved me and forgiven me, and look at anybody else on the planet and say, "Well, I don't, I don't think I can get past that. I don't think they deserve uh, grace and mercy. They don't deserve forgiveness because of what they have done to, or to done to me. Really? Well, I didn't deserve the forgiveness I got." So I can't turn I can't have a, a double standard about that. But the final point here in this text, verse nine to verse fifteen, sometimes we have to learn the hard way. God's judgment's coming down on his people. This is the last point. God's judgment is thorough. And it is impossible to avoid. All the way from verse 9 to verse 15. Listen, you see the description of what he says. Other nations are going to hear about what's happening to God's people, and they're going to be scared to death. You know why? Because here's how it looks. Oh, he's going to deal that way with his own people? What in the world is he going to do to us? We don't even belong to him. If he's going to treat his own children that way, what in the world would he do to us when we're not in his family? So other nations are going to hear about it. They're going to be frightened. It's going to consume the rulers, the army, the priests, the rich. The people are going to attempt to escape in different places, military fortresses or attempt to escape in the temples or attempt to escape in their homes. You can't run. You can't run from God's judgment. The great theologian Clint Eastwood said in a movie, Heartbreak Ridge, A Marine died in combat. The rest of the unit was going crazy. Don't let him die. Don't let him die. You know what he said? It's not up to me. He said it was his time. And when it's your time, it doesn't matter how fast you run. Your time's up. You can't get away from the judgment of God. You can't get away from what God says to do if you choose to be disobedient. It will consume everything and everyone consider your salvation heed god's warning but sometimes understand you have to learn the hard way because all that jesus god the father through through christ all that god has done to his people and and proclaims to do to his people here in this passage look how it ends look at verse 15 the last phrase declares the lord this is this is god's message where are we going to hide from the Lord God almighty there there is nowhere to hide now there's going to be no place to hide when it comes to the final judgment no, who who is going to be able to stand on their own who can stand before God on your own in your own strength anyone we we can't only those who stand in Jesus Christ are going to stand on the last day because he stood Where we stand, and he bore the wrath of God in our place. And so, only in him is anyone going to be sheltered from the judgment of God. When Jesus went to this cross, and when he said, It is finished, he meant, It is finished. So, here's the the last thing I have to say to you today where do you stand? Where do you stand? Are you following Jesus? Or are you just trying to grab the title? Are you living like Jesus? Or are you just showing up to a church on Sunday to keep up an appearance? Does it matter to you at all? Something this important? Something that is a truly a matter of life and death for all eternity, is, is that a big deal to you or is it not a big deal? And I, I ask you where you stand. Where do you stand with Jesus? Have you heard the gospel? Have you heard the truth that Jesus Christ came to this earth and took on human form, lived a life free from sin, and then went to the cross in our place to die the death that we deserve, and then he rose from the grave on the third day, and he's ascended into heaven, sits at the right hand of God, and he's praying for us constantly. That truth of the gospel, that he did that for us, where do you stand with that? I asked you had you heard it. Well, you've heard it now. Do you believe it? And not just do you believe it. What have you, what have you done with it? Where do you stand? That's the question. Where do you stand? Because knowing where you stand today, is gonna tell you where you're gonna stand on that day or whether or not you will stand because if you don't stand with jesus christ today then you're not gonna stand in jesus christ when that day comes it's it's jesus or hell that's the warning that's the warning of scripture that's the warning of amos three God's people didn't get a pass. If we're going to live like the world, we're going to be judged like the world. You want to be forgiven and counted free in Christ? Then guess what that means? We have to live through Christ. We have to follow Christ. You can't grab the name and not have the responsibility. It doesn't work that way. We have, a, we have a great privilege. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. He still does. Where do you stand? Where do you stand with Jesus today?